Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I'm your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Today here at the clinic, we are going to talk about this very special time in our church history. You know, this is a very, very important time, and in case you haven't heard or you haven't been reading Catholic news, uh, tomorrow the Pope is supposed to do a special consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, for a lot of Catholics, they feel that this is a long time coming. They feel that this has not quite happened uh, the way it was supposed to or the way it was requested in the past. Do we know that to be true? There's a lot of controversy. A lot of people say, no, this was already done, including Sister Lucia, who was asked in one interview if the Pope in the past had already consecrated Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary the way it was requested for the uh, during the visionary during the visions of Fatima to the visionaries uh, and she said yes the Pope has done this to the, her satisfaction heaven is happy with the prayers uh, that have gone up to heaven in terms of consecrating Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary why is this so pertinent and important to us as Catholics because if we look back at the secrets if we look back at what happened at Fatima and what was said about Russia and the world if we don't consider the consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary important, boy, there are some consequences that we're going to come with that. So let's talk about that today. This is going to be important. But as always, let's start with the angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this is an important topic, folks. Um, you know, this is a big deal for us. We look at the apparitions, and of course, there's a lot of talk out there. You know, what I find fascinating about apparitions is that there's a lot of talk of 
different apparitions, different devotions, different things people are afraid of, whether it be the three days of darkness, whether it be the uh, illumination that's supposed to be coming. And all that's fun to talk about, and I don't worry about too much what people say, you know, is there, there's an authority on this and authority on that. But when it comes to apparitions or anything along those lines, the most important thing to ask ourselves is, did Rome deem it worthy of belief? Now, I had a friend who was actually in the CDF. He was a priest in the CDF, and he would tell me that he would roll his eyes a little bit when people said, oh, Rome approved this, or Rome said this was true. And he would say, you know, Rome never actually says it's true. But we have to remember with any apparition or anything along those lines, the deposit of the faith ended with the death of the last apostle who was with Jesus Christ while he was alive. That's what the church requires us to believe. Anything before that, whatever is in the scriptures we are required to believe, the catechism is based on the scriptures and the church tradition, and we are required to believe everything in the catechism. And if you haven't read the catechism, it goes through the creed, which is obviously what we say every Sunday uh, as far as what our beliefs are. It goes through the sacraments, it goes through prayer, uh, and it goes you know, through the Ten Commandments. All those things that we are required to believe as Catholics are held right there in our, in our tradition, in our catechism, in our scriptures. Anything else, anything that came after Christ, anything that came after the revelations, the public revelations on life of Christ, as conveyed to us by the apostles, we do not actually have to believe. Rome doesn't say that this, this is a dogma or faith or, or, or anything that we need to absolutely believe, even if it comes from somebody who was canonized a saint. You know, when somebody's canonized a saint, we believe that they led a life where they wanted to be joined with Christ and that was worthy of them entering heaven. But even that which they say, we don't have to believe. It's not part of the final deposit of the faith. Keeping that in mind, though, as Catholics, we know that Fatima, which was deemed worthy of belief, is near and dear to our hearts. We cannot deny that. And a lot of people are getting very excited. They're saying the Pope is finally going to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, as was asked by Our Lady at the apparitions of Fatima. Let's go through that a little bit and let's see what that means for us or why that's even important. You know, anybody who is Catholic and who hasn't followed Fatima, a very brief history. So it happened between May 13th and October 13th of 1917. Three shepherd, shepherd children in Portugal um, received apparitions from Our Lady at a place called the Cova de Iria. And it was near Fatima City. Um, it was just north of Lisbon, the capital of Fatima. And Our Lady essentially asked them what she did in any of the apparitions that have been uh, deemed worthy of belief. Uh, she asked the children to pray the rosary for world peace and for the end of World War I, which was occurring at that time. She asked them to pray for the sinners. But she did ask them in particular, as they told us, for the conversion of Russia. This was going to be important. And she gave them three secrets. This is a big deal with Fatima. You know, a lot of things that when people follow this apparition, they know that there are three secrets of Fatima and we pay close attention to these. Let's look at the secrets. Why not? I mean, this, this is what's important, right? This is where we say what was so important about Fatima? Uh, what was important about these secrets? And Sister Lucia uh, wrote these down in her memoir. Uh, and she let us know what was happening and what went on during the apparitions and why these secrets were important. Let's read the first secret from Sister Lucia. It's always important to hear all these because a lot of Catholics right now believe that this is unfolding before their eyes, that this is happening now. We've heard recently, of course, of the news of what's going on in the world. We've got Russia invading the Ukraine. We've got a war starting up, and it seems like 
Russia was a bit of a sleeper for a while. Even a former president, I believe, erroneously called uh, Russia part of a JV team and said, Russia's not that important. Well, now we're seeing the other side of that, right? So now we're seeing that Russia's always been a superpower. Russia's always been known um, as a very powerful country. People look at it from different ways. They say, well, economically, it's not the number one. And, you know, they see different political aspects of it. And if we look at it from a worldview, it's very, very powerful. Lots of natural resources. You know, oil is being exported. Whenever you have oil exported, that's a big deal. They actually export a lot of wheat to the world. Um, but they do have, and if anybody recalls in the 1980s, that time is near and dear to my heart. If anybody recalls growing up in that era, there was always the question of the nuclear wars. Who was the nuclear power? Uh, Russia and the U.S. were always building more and more weapons. And if I recall cor correctly, they had enough weapons to blow the world up, I don't know, three, four, four, five times over. Why do we need so many nuclear warheads? I don't know. But the reality is Russia does have a whole lot of nuclear power, a strong military. And for a lot of people, that can be really scary. Let's look at these secrets. Let's look at why this might be important and why Our Lady might have asked us, in particular, to pray for the conversion of Russia. So the first secret said, remember the Sister Lucia recounting this, Our Lady showed us a great sea of fire, which seemed to be under the earth. So the way she talked about it, the earth opened up. She said, plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, floating about in the conflagration now raised into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves together with a great cloud of smoke, now falling back on every side like sparks in a huge fire without weight or equilibrium, and amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fear. The demons could be distinguished by their terrifying and repulsive likeness to frightful and unknown animals, all black and transparent. The vision lasted but an instant, how can we ever be grateful enough to our kind Heavenly Mother who had already prepared us by promising in the first apparition to take us to heaven? Otherwise, I think we would have died of fear and terror. You know, that's quite the image, quite the imagery that was presented to us by a young shepherd gal and, and her two cousins. And one of the most important things is we read the first secret We've already heard of the existence of hell in the scriptures, which again, if we go back to my original uh, message here at the opening, is that we are required to believe in the existence of hell. Regardless of what anybody says, it's right there. If you read it in black and white, Jesus himself told us there is the existence of hell. And how could, after reading this, how could anybody think that they were making this up? We've got to remember these shepherd children were not very well educated. They were living in the town. They were going about their daily business. And if we recall, at that time, Sister Lucia did not know how to write. She didn't know how to read or write. And Our Lady told her that it was going to be important for her to read or write, no doubt, because she was going to ask her to write down these images, these secrets, and share them with the world. This is important to consider. When we ask ourselves, is this true? Does this scare me? Does this send any chills down my spine? Yeah, it might be. The first secret is a very real representation of hell, as seen by children who had no reason to make this up and probably no way of making it up. Uh, they probably were never exposed to any images of this sort. So again, that's the first secret. When we come back from the break here, we're gonna keep going through the secrets and see why tomorrow's prayer is so important.
All right, folks, we are back here at the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about a very important topic uh, that is going to be very, very pertinent to a lot of Catholics, especially in light of the fact that the Pope will be consecrating Russia, in particular, in a special way to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Like I said before, a lot of Catholics see this as a long time coming. A lot of Catholics feel that this might have already happened, and we're going to talk about what that means later on in the show. And really, how should we think about this as Catholics? Should we be up in arms? Should we be scared? Should we be happy? You know, there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different perspectives of what I've been hearing. I'd be happy to give you my perspective on it, and I always encourage hearing your perspective on it. So feel free to email me at doctor, that's dr.sandoval, vmpr, at gmail.com. Again, that's dr.sandoval, vmpr, at gmail.com. We're getting some great emails from our listeners, some great suggestions for future shows, uh, some great questions that you've been asking. If I haven't gotten back to you, don't worry, you're on my list. I know that it's been a little bit busy, so I haven't been able to get back right away. But another reason that I want our listeners to email me is because in light of this special time, uh, of this uh, consecration of Russia, in particular by the Pope, I'm going to be giving away a Fatima rosary. So feel free to email me, Dr. That, that's, I'm sorry, let's say that again, at dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. What I want to hear from you, I have one rosary. I'm going to give it out to the first listener to email me to tell me in their hearts how they feel that Our Lady of Fatima interceded in their life when they prayed the rosary. Any miracle that happened that you feel occurred, any way that you feel Our Lady uh, uh, helped you in your life, any way she interceded for you, your family, someone you know, let me know. It's always great to hear these stories. Keep in mind, I want to hear, uh, send me a story that I can share on the air, uh, because I think it's important for all of our listeners to be reminded uh, of how Our Lady is working in our lives and bringing us closer to Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, that's all that really matters. So before the break, we touched on the first secret of Fatima. Let me read the third secret. I'm going to read them a little bit out of order, because the, last, the second secret is the one that we really want to focus on for the remainder of the show. Let's read the third secret of Fatima, because this is important in the ways that a lot of people feel nowadays. So we've got to remember the third secret was supposed to be revealed in 1960, but the Pope did not reveal it at that time, and it was held off and held off until finally it was reviewed again by Pope John Paul II. After the assassination attempt that occurred on the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima, happened in the Vatican Forum, he was shot four times, he went to the hospital, and he survived, and he definitely attributes his survival to Our Lady of Fatima. He said Our Lady saved his life. In fact, the following year, he made a pilgrimage directly to Fatima because he wanted to thank Our Lady for saving his life. The story goes that one of the bullets that uh, was about to pierce his heart, which went millimeters away from his aorta, uh, actually was saved and was actually placed in the crown at the statue of Our Lady at Fatima. And they said that it fit perfectly in her crown, as though Our Lady knew that piece of metal was going to be there. What a glorious story. What a great story. If anybody finds a source for that story, let me know. Um, but I know that I heard that among the, the Fatima circles. Either way, let's read that third secret because it's going to be important. Uh, I want to review what Cardinal Ratzinger said about that secret as well. The third part of the secret was, this is what Sister Lucia said, I write in obedience to you, my God, who command me to do so through his excellency, the Bishop of Liria, and through your most holy mother and mine, after the two parts, which I have already explained, at the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his hand, flashing 
It gave out flames that looked as though it would set the world on fire, but they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated toward him from her right hand. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance, penance, penance. And we saw an immense light that is God, something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it. A bishop dressed in white, we had the impression that it was the Holy Father. Other bishops, priests, men and women religious going up to a steep mountain, at the top of which there was a big cross of rough-hewn trunks as of a cork tree with the bark. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins and half trembling with halting step, afflicted with pain and sorrow. He prayed for the souls of the corpse he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain, on his knees at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. And in the same way, there died one after another, the other bishops, priests, men, and women religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. Beneath the two arms of the cross, there were two angels, each with a crystal aspersorium. Aspersorium is what a priest uses to bless uh, people around them, and we see this in church all the time when they have holy water, and so they each had this in their hands, in which they gathered up the blood of the martyrs, and with it sprinkled the souls that were making their way to God. Pretty scary, a lot of death, and keep in mind that is after the second secret, which we will re read next and talk about, because that's what's going to pertain to the consecration of Russia. This is important because this sounds pretty scary, you know, and it sounds like if Russia wasn't consecrated, this is what was going to happen. But let's look at a commentary that Cardinal Ratzinger said. He said, the purpose of the vision is not to show a film of an irrevocably fixed future. Its meaning is exactly the opposite. It is meant to mobilize the forces of change in the right direction. Therefore, we must totally discount fantastic explanations of the secret, such as, for example, the claim that the would-be assassin of 13th of May 1981 was merely an instrument of the divine plan guided by providence and could not therefore have acted freely or other similar ideas in circulation. Rather, the vision speaks of dangers and how we might be saved from them. This is important to note. Again, remember, he's speaking of these visions and he's saying nothing is fixed in stone. This is not part of our formal deposit of the faith. We don't have to read into this or believe it in order to be saved. What he is saying is we can read this and appreciate it from the point of view that our futures are not fixed, that we can still pray that we can still repent, that we can still change the future because everything is before God, our past, our present, and our future. It's all happening at the same time for God. And I think that there's a way that, as nothing is impossible with God, that if we pray now about something, God can fix anything in the, in the future, in the past, in the present. Father Pio used to say that. He'd say, everything is before God. I can pray now and help somebody in the past. Isn't that powerful? Well, Let's read the second secret, because this is the one where Our Lady asked for the consecration. Let's see what Sister Lucia had told us. She said that Our Lady told them, remember in the first part, they had seen hell. And the second one says, Our Lady told them, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. The war is going to end. But if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the pontificate of Pope Pius XI. When you see a knight illuminated by an unknown light, 
know that this is the great sign given to you by God, that he is about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, and persecutions of the church and of the Holy Father. To prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors through the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she shall be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. Again, let's read that last part. It says, the good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer, and various nations will be annihilated. However, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she shall be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. This is important to note. This is a big deal. There's been a lot of questions, you know, was Russia consecrated appropriately by Pope John Paul II? The other consecrations have been done by other popes. Why is there a question of whether or not Russia was consecrated appropriately to the Immaculate Heart as requested by Our Lady at Fatima? Because it was never done in a way where the Pope came out and said specifically, I'm going to be consecrating the country of Russia, as Our Lady said in Fatima. Remember, the Vatican only says that apparitions, um, locutions, anything along those lines are worthy of belief, but it's not part of our final deposit of the faith. I think the popes have been very cautious in trying to say, look, we're going to believe all these apparitions as though they are the word of God. Because we never know. Some of them end up being discounted. Some of them end up uh, bringing up things that are not real. And so what we always want to remember is we want to hold on to scripture. We want to hold on to our tradition of Catholics. And if something is deemed worthy of belief, it's fair to read it, to look at it, and in our hearts decide whether we want to believe it or not. It's not going to have an effect on your salvation. However, Fatima was very special. Fatima really keeps coming to light because it had some predictions of the future that were very specific. And I'm not saying, again, it's not something that we're obliged to believe wholeheartedly, but I'm glad that the Pope is going to do the consecration. Why? Because quite frankly, I think the Pope should be consecrating every country to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Maybe on a monthly basis, we should pick a different country. We should be consecrating the world over to Our Lady. And one of the questions I would have is, are we consecrating ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary? We worry a lot about consecrating Russia, but are we doing our part? In other words, a lot of Catholics might think that, you know, the, the consecration tomorrow by Pope Francis will be like a magic wand, and from one day to the next, Russia will all of a sudden find peace. I don't know that it's going to happen that way. I think that the consecration is planting a seed, just like any other prayer, into the heart of Russia to hopefully have conversion. You know, one of my kids, one of my daughters was very uh, uh, insightful when this whole issue started with Russia. And my wife and I talked to our kids because they'd heard about some things on the news and they saw that and we let them know, you know, war can be very hard uh, and it's very sad because people are dying. People who aren't even involved in these political wars of the political giants trying to lead their everyday lives end up dying tragically. And she said, you know, we need to pray for these people. And we said, yeah, we do. We need to pray for the people of the Ukraine who are suffering. We need to pray for anybody who's being affected by this. And she said, I think we need to pray for Russia. We need to pray for the Russians. We need to pray for the Russian politicians 
so that God can change their hearts. And he said, you know what? That's absolutely right. That's where our prayer needs to start. We need to start with praying and recognizing that they are our brothers and sisters in Christ and that what they're doing does not reflect that. And we need to start to pray for these countries. But I ask, have we been doing our part? Because if we look at what Our Lady said, let's look back a little bit. We're very focused on this prayer for, for consecrating Russia to the Immaculate Heart, and that's great. But let's look at what Our Lady said in the second secret. She said to prevent this, and remember, we're going to prevent uh, punishment of the world from God for, its, for our crimes, and really more than anything else, our spiritual crimes. Well, any crime that we do here is actually spiritual, right? It's all going to affect the communion uh, of saints, the body of Christ. But she said we were going to be punished by means of war, famine, and persecutions of the church and of the Holy Father. To prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more importantly about this second part. She said, and the communion of reparation on first Saturdays. That's to us. We don't. We might say, look, we don't have any power over consecrating Russia. That's a pope. But we've got to ask ourselves, have we been consecrating ourselves in the first Saturday? More after the break. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Always a pleasure to be here with all of our Catholic listeners. We want to be high-information Catholics, as Jesse says in his shows, um, and I agree with him 100%. You know, there's no question why we can't be high-information Catholics. We need to think like Catholics so that we can live like Catholics so that we can be Catholic. Um, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters, right? When we come face-to-face -face with Christ, it's not going to matter who said what or who did what. What's going to matter is what is in our hearts did we know what we know to be true or what we were taught to be true? And do we keep Christ as our focus? Remember, remember in the Gospels when Jesus says, hey, you know, to all these people on the left, the goats, they're going to say, Lord, we were there. What happened? We called out to you. And he's going to say, when, did you, when were you there? I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. And we're going to say, when was that, Lord? And what did he say? When you do this to the least of your brothers, you did it for me. That's really what we got to remember here. We're in a difficult time. We're in a difficult time where we see war. And when we see wars, we start seeing good and evil, and we can feel very helpless. I feel a special connection to our brothers and sisters in both Ukraine and Russia. You know, I've been enjoyed going to the Byzantine liturgies. Um, I have a special uh, love for icons. Um, I have a special love for the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. It's very, very beautiful to me um, to join in my heart both the Western uh, Latin Rite, the Eastern Rite of the Church, and really see how the different traditions come together. So when I see the churches being bombarded in the Ukraine and in Russia, or actually just say the Ukraine at this point, when I see that, when I see uh, that happening, it's very, it, it saddens me a great deal. You know, all the icons, uh, which I love, are windows to heaven is what the belief is. It's heaven looking down upon us. And I would wonder, what is heaven thinking right now? as we see this war. We also got to remember, though, as part of that uh, second secret was that we wanted Russia to prevent its errors. What was one of the biggest errors of Russia? That it removed God from the people. Communism, the idea of communism, was to remove the faith from the people. They were not allowed to practice. The churches were closed. Whether the church is being bombarded in the Ukraine or a church is being closed and you're not allowed to worship, it's one and the same. It's being destroyed in different ways. 
And really, it's a destruction of the faith. That's what I really believe that the errors are of the Russian nation, of, in, of having communism around, of closing the doors. As we can say, Russia's been westernized. We have uh, the, the patriarchs in Russia. We, have, we do have the Roman Catholic Church in Russia as well. But the reality is, if it goes back to a communist-type nation, and it starts to overtake other nations and spread its errors that way, well, we might find ourselves in a situation where we're not shut down by a quarantine, but we're shut down by a government's ideology. A lot of people will say, well, that's about one and the same there, Dr. Sandoval. And I, I agree with you on, on multiple levels. Um, but what I hate to see is our faith being shut down, our, our belief system being closed down upon us. So let's look at a few things. So in, before the break, we were talking about what happened in that second secret? What did Our Lady say? She said that we needed to uh, stop Russia by, or stop the errors of Russia. We wanted to stop war. We wanted to stop famine. And she said this was going to happen when Russia was consecrated to her Immaculate Heart, which, you know, the Pope Francis is going to do tomorrow. And it's going to be one day. I honestly believe that our consecration should be continual. I don't think it should be a one and done. I don't know that Our Lady asked for a one and done. I don't think if that were the case, we would have just received communion one time and then and then that's it. You know, but no, God God knows that we need to continually renew our hearts because as long as we're on this planet, we're going to continue to not be perfect. We're going to need the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, we're going to need the sacrament of communion. And I think that we're going to need to continue to consecrate ourselves, to consecrate the world, to consecrate each nation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I would dare say to the Sacred Heart of Christ. Right? If, we, if we have the two hearts as our focus of consecration, how can we go wrong? But let's look at the second part because Our Lady wanted us to not only consecrate Russia to her heart, she wanted us to do acts of reparations on the first five Saturdays of the month. So for five months in a row, the first Saturday, she asked us to do this. She said, go to Mass. Well, let's look at what, what's entailed in that for our listeners. Um, but this is our part. You know, we keep waiting and we say, wow, the Pope hasn't consecrated Russia, the Pope hasn't done this. Okay, well, let's say the Pope had done it. Are we still doing our part? Have we done five first Saturdays of reparation to the Immaculate Heart? Have we brought that into our hearts? Because believe it or not, folks, we're all going to be tempted in different ways. It doesn't matter if you're the Pope, if you're the priest, if you're a bishop, if you're married, if you're single, we're all going to have strong temptations, especially if you are working towards the kingdom of God, if you're working towards spreading the word of God, if you're working towards open dialogue about bringing Christ and the Eucharist to the forefront of people's faith and faith-filled lives, the devil's not going to like that, and he's going to try to break it down. We need to continually consecrate ourselves and continually remind others that it's important to do this. Let's look at the act of reparation. What is it that we need to do? Well, gee, Our Lady said, let's, let's you know, have this by first Saturdays. What do I need to do in order for that to happen? The first thing is, you have to go to confession. You have to go to confession before, well, you can go eight days before or eight days after that first Saturday of the month. So one is make a good confession. And with confession, I always tell people, you know, as a physician, uh, whether I'm practicing, I'm doing my family medicine clinic or whether I'm doing psychiatry, I hear so many different things. I joke around with my priest friends and tell them I hear more confessions than they do. You know, people will come to me and with the idea that I'm a, I'm a physician, I'm a doctor, I can heal. They will tell me some of their deepest secrets because one, they know it's confidential. I can't reveal anything um, to anybody else. Like it doesn't, doesn't go beyond uh, the clinic in our room. So that's a, a special place to be, almost like a confessional, right? You can tell your doctor anything. And by law, we're not allowed to reveal anything. 
Um, so that's a good place to, to say what you need to say. But the other thing is a lot of people feel very relieved. They're always happy to know what's going on here. I've got an infection or I want to check out my lab work. Or when they come to me in psychiatry, they say, you know, I've been thinking this way or I've been doing this. I just don't know what's wrong with me. I think there's something wrong. Then we can sit down and have a conversation. They start to realize, no, it's probably pretty normal. A lot of people do it. It might not be something you want to keep doing. Um, it might not be the healthiest thing. Is it getting you to a good place in life or is it causing you more stress? These are important questions we need to ask ourselves. Um, you know, this is what I do for my patients. You know, you bring up an issue or a topic and obviously it's weighing heavy on you. But once you bring it to the light, once you bring it to the light, we, we can do something about it. The fact that you even came to the clinic to see me tells me that you yourself know there's something that needs to improve in your life or there's something you're not sure if you need to do differently. I think when it comes to confession, we need to think about it in the same way. What are we going to gain by not revealing all of our sins? But um, let's say that we reveal all of our sins and we worry because, oh gosh, that priest is really mean and, and he gets really angry all the time. Well, I don't want to tell him everything. Why? I would rather go through a couple minutes of being embarrassed or feeling down because the priest might not be the most jovial or might not have the best people skills, but I'm not there to reveal my sins to the priest himself. I'm here to bring to light what I have done and let Christ know that I'm aware that this is what needs to be healed in my life. Am I willing to go through a few minutes of maybe internal torture or embarrassment in order to come out of there clean as a whistle, just white as snow? Is it worth it? Absolutely. I think if Christ was going to hang on the cross for three hours for us in pain, I can handle a few minutes of embarrassment, a few minutes of shame, to come out on the other end feeling like a whole new person and feeling ready to be with God and to live life the way God intended. So that's the first thing Our Lady asked of us. Before that first Saturday, either eight days before or eight days after that first Saturday, we need to go to confession. Not much to ask. The next part is on that Saturday, we have to receive Holy Communion. Now, it has to be received within 24 hours of the first Saturday of the month. Okay, and it says that if a person has a valid reason not to attend the Mass, right, um, then the devotee or the person may consult a priest about receiving Communion on the following Sunday. So if you're trying to make this reparation, if you're trying to go on this first Saturday, um, and for whatever reason you're not able to, let's say you have a good, let's say that you're like, I cannot get out of work. There is no way they're going to let me out on a Saturday. I have to work on Saturdays. Can I go to Mass on Sundays and receive with the intention of the reparation of the first Saturdays? Absolutely you can. Remember what I said before? Remember how you can pray for something in the past? Well, geez, if I go to Mass the next day, does that count for something in the past? It does. There's no time-space continuum for God. God is in eternity. He's not limited by time or space. If you think about it, remember the first step is to go to confession. God is forgiving things, something that already happened in the past. It's the ultimate time machine. Because the confessional is a, is a major time machine. We are forgiving right now something that happened in the past. So we start with confession. We have to go and receive communion within 24 hours of that first Saturday. That's important. Then we have to do a five-decade rosary. All that means is that you have to pray the rosary like we normally would. You pray it on that Saturday. You pray it on the Sunday. I'm sure that you can pray it within, you know, five days before, five days after. You pray the rosary, the five-decade rosary, with the intention of reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And then what else do you do? Keep Our Lady company while meditating for only 15 minutes on the decades of the rosary, which really means that it's going to take about half an hour of your time 
to pray a rosary in about 15 minutes or so, and then meditate for 15 minutes. What does that mean, Dr. Samuel? Meditate for 15 minutes. It means to sit quietly and to walk with Our Lady in our hearts and to think of those uh, of the mysteries of the rosary we just prayed, uh, or you could pick another five mysteries if you wanted, or however many mysteries, maybe all the mysteries. But for 15 minutes to stop and think to ourselves, what did it take Our Lady to be that humble? What does that take to just accept God and to say yes wholeheartedly without even thinking twice? How do I do that? Well, let's look at the life of Christ. Let's look at what Our Lady was experiencing during the life of Christ. Let's look at Christ, what Christ was experiencing during each of those mysteries. How did they follow God? Well, I'll tell you what, they definitely didn't follow their own wills, that's for sure. We're so busy in the world trying to follow our own wills. This is what I want. I want to get this. I want to get that. And that's important. We have to survive here, right? If I don't have a car, I need to find figure out how to get a car, especially in Southern California. Can't get around without a car. That's a necessity. But if I already have a car that runs well, and I'm thinking, no, I need a flashier car. That's what I really want. I need something bigger and better to impress my friends. Is that the most spiritually healthy thing to consider? I'll let every person decide that for themselves. But the reality is when we start pondering on the life of Christ and Our Lady, when we start to look at the mysteries of the rosary, really it's a life of humility, a life where that which I want, I don't need anything flashier. The only thing I need is God. And really more than anything else, I need to learn how to follow God's will, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it seems like it's going to be hard, even if it seems like it's going to be a lot of sacrifice. That's our true consecration. That's where we're going to make the reparation to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart as she has. More when we come back from the break. All right, well, welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Mouse Powerful Radio. Today, we are talking about Our Lady of Fatima. We're talking about the secrets, and we're talking about consecrating ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, all of our listeners, I said, go ahead and email me. That's dr.sandovalvmpr. Let me know of a special miracle that may have happened in your life. Let me know if you ever feel Our Lady of Fatima, through her intercession, touch your life and allowed Christ to come into your life and create or cause a miracle or that you saw a change, I will be giving out a rosary, a Fatima rosary, to the first person to email me about this. I've only got one, so uh, make sure you, you send me that email as soon as you can. Um, and let me know. Now, the whatever you, you share with me, I'd like to share with our audience. So make sure it's something that uh, I won't reveal who it is. I won't reveal who, who shared it, but I'd like to reveal the story because I think that we are in a time where people are scared and people need to hear that miracles are still happening, that God is still working in our lives. And we want to hear how that happens for people. It could be something very simple. It could be something uh, that would be incredulous to anybody else. But as long as you know that it was God working in your life, let me know about that. I think that would be important for our listeners. So tomorrow, this is it. The Pope is going to be consecrating Russia specifically to the Immaculate Heart. Do I believe that all of a sudden there's going to be a magic wand, miraculous day to night change in Russia? I don't know. I hope so. Gosh, that'd be great, right? We've got to believe in the miracles. Do I feel that this is it? This is what's going to happen? I would tell our listeners, I wouldn't wait for that. What I would say is, let's look at what happens as far as change in our hearts, change in the heart of Russia. And it's probably going to take a little bit of time. Like I said, I think the consecrations, I think we should be consecrating every country 
uh, monthly. You know, I think that the Pope, if I, if I would give any advice in the Vatican, I would say start with January and go down the list of countries in the world. And January will be for one country. February, February will be for the next and so on and so forth. So we reach all the countries in the world. Heck, maybe we'll get a few of them in one month. And I would consecrate each of them to the Immaculate Heart and to the Sacred Heart. Why not? You know, we've got to consecrate the world. Jesus told us to go out to the four corners. He told his, his apostles to preach to all the nations. So I think that that would be really powerful. I think that it would be a great reminder for us because right now the war between Russia and the Ukraine is at the forefront. And we're looking at superpower nations now talking, getting involved. And it's getting scary for a lot of us, right? When we look at that second secret, our lady said that whole nations would be annihilated. Annihilated can mean different things. You know, we immediately think about nuclear war and we think about warheads coming down and just knocking whole countries away by radiation and damage and, and uh, uh, destruction, uh, people dying literally and buildings being torn. I think nations can also be annihilated in different ways. I think that if we look at the history of the USSR, uh, the USSR encompassed a lot of many nations who did not have their own culture anymore, their own character. Uh, nations could be annihilated in that in that fashion, in a cultural fashion, uh, where you're not allowed to be your own person. And that can be pretty scary because God, there's a reason why we have individual cultures. There's a reason why God made us to have individual nations. It's kind of like saying different parishes in the diocese each have their own culture, and that's okay. God made us different people, and that brings us uh, closer together, hopefully, because through our cultures, we can learn a lot about each other when we're not trying to destroy each other. But the annihilation of nations is a big deal, right? So this is where I would think, I would hope that we continue to consecrate the world uh, time and time again to God, to Christ, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, uh, not just a one-off, not just a one-time. So if we don't see a big uh, day-to-night change or night-to-day change, it's okay. I think that that consecration is still going to have effects. It's still going to uh, have effect in people's hearts. And hopefully we can help by doing our parts, by doing the first five Saturdays of the month. And by doing that, we're going to join our hearts with the Eastern Church um, and the East, our, our brothers and sisters in Eastern Europe. And hopefully we'll see improvement there. But I would dare say, as I'm doing my five reparations, I want to also pray for the countries in Africa that are always uh, at war. Countries in the Middle East who have always been at war uh, for many reasons, political reasons, ideological reasons. Uh, you know, war is usually about the same. It's just about money, power, uh, about having uh, more control, more land. Um, and it's never, it's been part of human history for ages. It's just the, the, the cycle that repeats itself. I think that this is where we need to raise our hearts and raise ourselves more so that we're less focused on the power that we can gain from this world but focus more on the power we're going to gain spiritually by bringing forth our humility, by asking the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and to consecrate us to Our Lady, to help us consecrate ourselves to our Lord. And that way we remember who we really are, what's really important, and then we have the end result of peace. Remember, Fatima, at the end of the day, is going to be is about peace. The first person to appear to the shepherd children was the angel of peace. He said, I'm the angel of Portugal, I'm the angel of peace. And that's what he asked for. He asked us to do prayer and reparation uh, because that was a message from God. And that was a message from Our Lady as well. What do we see happening in those apparitions? We see the angel with a flaming sword and we see Our Lady holding back the hand of God 
and spread and spreading graces all over the world from her hands. She's always trying to help us. She's always trying to get us to salvation. There is no sure way to Christ but through Mary. And we have to believe that. I want to give away the rosary because I want people to remember that Our Lady of Fatima, also known as Our Lady of the Rosary of Fatima, uh, encourage us to pray the rosary every day. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I already did the five sat first Saturday consecrations. I've already checked that off my box. I would dare say, let's just renew it every fifth. After we do the fifth Saturday, let's renew it again for another five and just keep that going. But Our Lady asks us to pray the rosary every day. She asks the children to pray the rosary every day. I think the rosary is one of the most powerful weapons that we can use to bring peace to the world. Sister Lucia said that there is nothing that cannot be accomplished in this world uh, if we pray the rosary. It's that, that powerful. We also forget that Our Lady uh, is the mediatrix of all graces. She is the one who all the graces come through um, and into the world and into our lives. So that's the other part to remember. A lot of people get very scared and a lot of people might be afraid and think, gosh, what if the Pope doesn't do the consecration correctly? Or what if something happens? And that's it, it's over. I don't see it that way. I think that as long as we have the opportunity to pray, as long as we have the opportunity to put God first in our lives and to remind ourselves to consecrate our lives, our families, our possessions, our homes to Our Lady, that's all that really matters. I've done that. I've prayed to Our Lady and I, I consecrated our home to Our Lady. And I said, I told her she's the owner of my home and that I hope she guides us to Christ and that she guides our family to Christ and that our home should be a safe haven. Um, you know, free for our children to worship Christ in uh, and under the faith of the Catholic Church, as we have known it, in the deposit of the faith, to follow our catechism, to be able to go to Mass, to be able to be a place that really represents Christ. Um, have we done that in our own homes? Have we set up uh, images of Our Lady of Christ? Uh, as, as the priests tell us, there was a, a great priest and exorcist who said, you know, you need to have what's called line of sight meaning that every time you turn around in your own home, um, there's an image of Christ, there's an image of Our Lady, there's a reminder of who we are, a reminder of how we're going to get to heaven. Um, and that's really, really important. You know, we start worrying about the consecration to the Immaculate Heart, the, the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart. I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that we need to be focused on Christ on a daily basis. So again, go ahead and email me, send me your stories. Uh, let me know if there is ever a, a uh, miracle that occurred in your life through Our Lady of Fatima. And I want to leave us here at the end of the hour um, with our prayers to Our Lady. Um, let's go ahead and say uh, a Hail Mary um, for the Pope, because he's under a lot of pressure right now. The eyes of the world are going to be upon him. The eyes of the Catholic world are going to be upon him. Um, and I think it's important that we say a prayer for him right now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. That was for the Pope. I want to say another Hail Mary. I want to say a Hail Mary for our, all the priests and our bishops, because they're going to be looking at this, and hopefully all of our bishops will join with the Pope to do this prayer. Let's say a prayer for them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I want to say one more Hail Mary. I want to say Hail Mary for us, for all the faithful, for our families, 
um, because this is a uh, prophetic time for a lot of people. And I hope that our hearts go beyond just the prayer of the consecration of, of Russia to the Immaculate Heart. I hope that it, this is an impetus for anybody who has been away from the church for a while or who hasn't felt that faith in their hearts or who feels far away from the church and they turn to this and see this. I hope that the sun dances in our hearts the way people saw the sun dance at the miracle uh, in Fatima. I hope that we feel that we feel the son of God dance in our hearts. We feel Christ in our hearts. We feel Christ in our homes and our relationships. And we're going to ask Our Lady to guide us to that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Now, there were a few of my friends who were concerned, and they said, well, gosh, what if there is no miracle like the miracle of the sun? You know, when we talk about Fatima, um, it was easy to say Fatima happened, look at what's going on, look at the predictions, and the sun danced, and a whole lot of people saw that. It was in the newspapers. There was no doubt. And they were saying, well, what if the Pope uh, does this consecration prayer, and there is no big to-do about it? There's no fireworks. There's no big light. There's nothing that comes out of it. How do we tell people that it meant anything? How do we know that it was approved by heaven? And the reality is, any prayer done from the heart is approved by heaven. This is what I saw my friend. I said, go back to the gospel where you had the Pharisee at the front of the temple praying and uh, telling God how happy he was, that he was holy, that he was a man of the law, and that he was so happy that he could be at the front talking to God and was not ashamed to talk to God. Uh, well, there was a man in the very back of the church asking God for forgiveness and asking God uh, to look at him with mercy because he knew that he was a sinner and he knew that his life was not always going to be pleasing to God. And what did Christ say about this? He said that the Pharisee, his answers were already prayed because were already answered because he wanted to make a big show of it, and he wasn't even correct. But he said that the other man, the man who was humble, that is the man who went home satisfied in the eyes of heaven. Again, for the consecration tomorrow, let's have humble hearts. When we're praying, let's have humble hearts. For the war uh, from Russia uh, of Russia and the Ukraine right now for this conflict, let's pray humbly for them that we can see the miracle. Maybe not with the eyes, not with our biological eyes, but with the eyes of faith from our own heart, and that the world may start to turn with their eyes of faith um, to our Lord. I ask that everybody do the consecration uh, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I ask that we all join with the Pope to pray, not just now, but always, and that we all try to do the first five Saturdays. And until next time, this is Dr. Luis Sandoval saying, think like a Catholic so that you can live like a Catholic so that we can all be Catholic. See you at the clinic next week.